This is The Culture Code with Kevin Cruz, founder and CEO of LeadX, the platform that helps you scale and sustain a high-performance culture. Hello, everyone. I'm Kevin Cruz. Welcome back to what I know is going to be a fun episode of The Culture Code. Our guest today is the Chief People Officer at Consensus Cloud Solutions, Lynn Johnson. Lynn, welcome. Kevin, thank you so much. It is such a treat and such an honor and a privilege to be joining you today. So thank you for the invitation. And I'm super excited. I might, this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart. And so really excited to kind of get into the weeds with you on culture. So thank you. Thank you. And Lynn, I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania today. At least that's where I'm sitting. Tell the listeners where are you coming to us from? I live in a suburb of Los Angeles in Tarzana, California. I work out of our downtown Los Angeles office a couple days a week. So beautiful Southern California where right now it's probably maybe sunny and 70. A oh, uh, little little jealous. breeze. Sorry to kind of get you on that. I know. We do That's have cool. lovely leaves changing color here in the Northeast, but I was born in Redondo Beach, grew up in Orange County, so I've got a lot of friends and family in Southern California still. I miss So see, you're still a Southern California native at heart, and I will tell you, I do miss the Four Seasons, but we do have a Japanese maple tree that's outside of my home office window that changes colors probably around February-ish. Yeah. And so we do have a, like one day maybe where we have a a difference of the falling of the leaves. So I uh, I, I am jealous of the different seasons that you're in. Lynn, let's start with, for people who don't know, haven't heard of maybe Consensus Cloud Solutions. Who are you? What do you guys do? Well, Consensus Cloud Solutions is, we are a mid-sized global organization, and we are focused on the transformation enhancement and secure exchange of digital information. Now, what does that mean? (laughs) We help get your documents securely from point A to point B. One of our great flagship products is called eFax. So it's electronic faxing. And so it's an opportunity for a small office, a home office, a mid-sized business, a large-scale business, an individual to be able to safely and securely fax documents from one location to another. I was going to say, maybe people haven't heard of consensus, but I bet most people have heard of eFax. They're either using it or they've and, received an eFax, like very popular, a very popular tool. When you say mid-market, about how many employees do you have? We have right around 600 employees and we're worldwide. And so we have offices in Japan, Ireland, in Canada. We're in both Ottawa as well as British Columbia area. We're in Australia and then all across the United States. Yeah, that's incredible. So culture is kind of a squishy thing to a lot of people. It means different things to different people. You know, how do you put your finger on it? So I don't know your culture. I'm an outsider. How would you describe Consensus's culture to someone like me? Great question. And if I were to share with you that at every town hall that we do and every employee communication, we remind our employees of our six core values. And part of what culture to me looks like is what does it look like to live out your core values? And as we look at our core values of we're striving for excellence, we demonstrate empathy, we embrace innovation, we focus on solutions, we communicate openly, and that we're driven by data, we look at our core values and with our culture, 
it's really looking at having that culture of productivity, accountability, and really this layer of kindness of what does it look like to help make a difference in other people's lives and also to enjoy what we're doing together as a community. Because at the end of the day, when I wake up and when I want to go to work, I want to work with individuals who are like-minded that share, let's just say a same attitude of like, how can I make a difference today? What am I going to be able to come into? And how can I help people solve problems? How can I help really be able to guide, lead, and direct. And so I would say our culture is really steeped in community. Our culture is steeped in productivity. It's steeped in accountability. And it's really steeped in living out, as I shared, these core values on a daily basis. Yeah, a lot of great stuff there. Lynn, it's, and it reminds me, I think, you know, great leaders, it's, uh, it's often a balance of that. Like, how do you have empathy but hold people accountable. You know, you can't just always be one or or the other. And you're talking yeah. about it's kindness, it's joy, it's community, and yet also driven by data, accountability, right? Some different kinds of approaches. And so, you know, how do you make sure everybody gets it? You know, whether they're, you know, how do they, if I'm a new joiner, I've joined up consensus, how am I going to learn about these values? How am I going to learn about the culture? How do you sustain it for people who've been in the company for a while? It's super challenging. And I think what makes it even more challenging is we are virtual. We're remote, right? Like you're coming to me from Philadelphia. I'm coming or Pennsylvania area, right? I'm coming to you from Los Angeles. I'm in my home office today. And we have employees that are worldwide, as I shared earlier. And so if right now we have 52% of our employees who are not attached to any office whatsoever. And so part of what we do is a very, very robust onboarding program where we go through our onboarding orientation is probably a good three to four hours. It's virtual. We have our service desk come on and our service desk works directly with those that we're bringing on. And we do this every week. And so then we have our HR team that comes on and and we have a great presentation where we share the history of the company. We share our philosophy. We share our mission and our vision and our values. And we go through, here's some great employee programs and here's what we do to stay connected in a virtual world. And then every new employee is given a position focus of here's what you're expected to do. Here's how we're going to review you. Here's how we're going to be able to say, this is what accountability looks like. And almost kind of like that commitment coming in of this is what we've hired you to do. And this is the job that we expect you to do. And here are the results that we're expecting from that. And we want to be able to partner with you because we believe that you're right for the organization and how can you move forward? And it's also, you know, wanting to be able to talk about here's what our benefits are. Here's where we're approaching this. And as we look at this, I'm a firm believer as we marry, let's say, both sides, right? We marry the hard business results with the soft squishiness. To me, I learned from a mentor long, long, long ago it's that you guide with an iron fist, but with a velvet glove. Yeah, And so it's setting firm boundaries and it's setting clear expectations and then it's holding people accountable to those expectations. I I think it's really, really wise that if we find that an employee is not doing their job well, we have to take a step back for a moment and say, why? Mm -hmm. Have we not provided the right training? Have we not provided the right toolkit? 
have we not provided the right guidance or mentorship? But then in the next breath, if they have all the tools, but they're not able to do their job, then we have to have a different conversation. And we have to say, here's what we look at. And something that I subscribe to every day as even as we're looking at, let's just say who we bring on board as an employee is you can train a skill, but you can't train an attitude. Mm -hmm. And so what does it look like to have a good attitude in the course of chaos? It's like, okay, how do we resolve this? How do we solve it? How do we be resilient to be able to find the right solution to be able to help us move forward to bring forth what our goals are and what our objectives are? Yeah. And you mentioned training. I'm sort of passionate about training and support for managers, for frontline leaders, because, you know, by the definition of frontline management, they're the filter for 80% of the employee base. 70% of the variance in employee engagement is tied back to who your manager is. There's that old saying, you join a company, you leave a, you leave a boss. You leave leave a manager, exactly. (laughs) You leave your manager. But you're a pretty small organization that I assume doesn't have the resources that many large organizations have for leadership development. You don't have a team of five people doing manager training and all these kinds of things. So I'm guessing, you know, in a company your size, you you might have 100 frontline managers, give or take. What are you doing to develop them? You know what? We throw them in a pond and we say, go try it swim. Can you make it? Can you make it work? No, I'm kidding. That's not how we do it. That's not what we do. You didn't throw them in the deep end, at least. It was, yeah, a, we just, it was hey, a shallow no, pond. It was a shallow pond. I'm going to see, <laughs> can you swim or, or sink or swim, right? No, we. I promise we don't do that. What we look at, Kevin, is we have a lot of different tools. So we've created, so we need to be innovative. And you're right. We don't have a super big, huge budget for training. But what we've done and what we've carved out for our training budget, I believe we leverage really, really well. So we've created an employee resource portal overall for all employees, because at the end of the day, employees want to know, well, where do I find something? What do I do? What do I need? How do I look at this? So not only do we look at training managers, but we also look at training employees, let's just say on our tools that we use, as well as our products. So we want employees to know, here's what our products look like. Here's how we're doing this. And so even with our sales organization and all of our customer support, we've now created a robust training as part of their onboarding to be able to learn because what does it look like to teach, train, and develop? As we look at our managers, we have partnered with a company called Growth Space. And Growth Space is super innovative and they have different programs that we have an opportunity to do specialized individual one-on-one coaching. That it's five sessions with an executive coach and it's, we may say, we want somebody to focus on communication or focus on creating ROIs for their team. And they are matched and paired with an executive consultant that has that background and that experience that they get individual, customized, confidential one-on-one training for literally that executive leadership, but we're doing it across all of our manager levels. We then also are doing virtual management webinars Mm -hmm. where we have our managers sign up. We have, let's just say the same session run five times and you're in one of the sessions and you're with all levels of managers. And we just had one on manager essentials and it was all about like, let's just say providing feedback. 
And we had everyone joining from our CEO to the youngest manager in the organization in terms of tenure. And it was so much fun because you heard from this valued trainer, but then what you also did is you heard how others within the organization did it. And so we really look at priding ourselves with making sure that we're providing the right tools so that our managers are basically aware of how to have a hard conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know about you, but in my family, there were some conversations we had, but others we just kind of swept under the rug and then we kind of walked around them. And I'll tell you that that hasn't necessarily served me well and early in my career when I was like, oh, I just want to avoid that topic. It's like, no, you can't. So how do I make sure that we are giving our managers the proper tools to be able to have the hard conversations and to be able to say, here's what it's going to look like for me to give you the right toolkit, but here's what I need to see from you. And so I really look at, we've done pulse surveys. We've done engagement surveys. We've we're getting good marks. And one of our questions is, would you continue working for the manager that you have today? And I will tell you, the scores of that were fairly high. Some managers are set in their ways, right? It's, I have been doing this for 30 years and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to manage this way. But I think that through the pandemic, we've had to learn how to manage differently. And I'm just going to anticipate your next question. <laughs> because when we also look at our managers, we have to look at both our managers and our employee workforce. And something that we have that is absolutely interesting, we have five generations in the workforce. And so how you manage a Gen Z is very different than how you manage a Gen X versus how you manage the greatest generation, right? So you look at all the different generations and you say, how do I help manage my employee to the results that I need given their style or their innovation or their reliance on what does it look like to get better? And so I think that we have to be willing as a manager to say, I may have always managed X, Y, Z, but how can I manage differently now? What do I need to do? How do I enhance the productivity of my employees? And it may be that we need to have five minutes of small talk before we go into something. I think that good managers create relationship with employees. And relationship doesn't mean I need to go deep and know everything about you from a personal basis. But you have to be able to trust me. And if you don't know me, you can't trust me. And so what would it look like to develop trust? And I think that goes even back to something that you asked me at the very beginning. How would you define our culture? I think one is, is that we're layering a foundation of trust. Yeah, I, I want to jump in because lots of good things there. And I want to make sure our listeners and my Forbes editor, you know, picks up on a couple of key things you shared, you know, that one, it's impressive that you said your CEO even participated in the in the effectiveness workshop. You know, we do lots of these kinds of manager essentials type workshops and routinely we'll have, oh, yes, the CEO, like I'm not even making this up. CEO is going to kick off the time management workshop and the CEO shows up 12 minutes late to the workshop yeah. and we're all sitting there waiting for the to start the time management workshop. Yeah, pretty um, ironic. Just, just recently, 
we're doing a session where one of the C-level leaders came in to talk about how important this topic was and how critical it was to her career. And then she said, I got to hop off, have a good session. <laughs> so it was like two minutes. It's important for you, but it's not important enough for me to stick around. And so the fact that you've got C-level support for some of these you know, manager development leadership topics is really critical. And I want to make sure everyone heard you also that you know, you're doing pulse surveys, including what we would call a manager effectiveness question, you know, and, and there's different questions out there, you know, just rating the manager. I would recommend my manager, you know, for other people to work for my manager. And in a lot of organizations, they'll ask about overall engagement. They'll ask about satisfaction with the company. But given how valuable the manager is, you got to just ask that hard question. It does make some people squirm, right? You know, it's like, oh my gosh, I've got one of the lower scores in this company, but through that data, by putting that light on the subject, okay, I'm going to get better. Lynn's got a great score here as a manager. I've got a lower score. I'm going to ask Lynn, what are you doing to get a higher score in these areas? So it's great that you're gathering that feedback. Lynn, this is um, you know a short format podcast. I want to turn to some of the more fun questions, you know, maybe shorter topics, starting with, imagine you could send a book or a podcast or a Netflix special, I don't care what it is, to every employee at Consensus, and everybody would consume it. Everyone would take it to heart. What would you want to send people? So many choices. But I would say one of my favorite business books is by Patrick Lencioni, and it's called The Ideal Team Player. And it talks about when you look at individuals on your team, you want them to be humble, hungry, and smart. Ooh. And so what does it look like for all of us to be humble, hungry, and smart? And so if I had my magic wand, I would send that book to all of our employees and say, let's read this together. Let's do a book study together. And from there, let's go ahead and make sure that we're creating and all of us being the ideal team player. So as a management company right now, as a leadership team, we are reading multipliers. Mm. Uh, by Liz Wiseman. And so as our executive leadership team, we are reading that. And I'm also reading that with my HR team. And we have a couple different function groups within our org that are reading it as well. So it's important to us of what does it look like to multiply individuals on our team and be a manager that multiplies. Yeah, Liz did a great job. I've had her on the, the program in the past with that book. I think she was able to put some language around employee engagement drivers that other people have not. You know, the other people, right. including myself, have been too academic with it. And that's another great one. Multipliers is a, a great one as well. So let me ask, Lynn, like, I'm sure today that you know things, you've learned, you've grown in your role, in your career. So imagine that you could send a, a letter, a Slack message or a Teams message, whatever platform you use, to a younger version of yourself. It's day one as chief people officer. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, I just get this piece of advice from future Lynn Johnson. What kind of message would you send? What have you learned? What I would share with my younger self is like, be curious, unpack trends, look at the why, ask why a lot to understand what's really going on. Because I think so many times people give you a surface answer, but that's not really the root. And so for me, I would tell my younger self and I tell my older self this, be curious, always ask questions and really, really seek. And I think it, it just also goes with demonstrating empathy too. 
seek to understand before you want to be understood because you want to be able, and I think this is also, as I think about it, is telling my younger self, realize that there's multiple ways to get your message across. There's multiple ways to be able to communicate and deliver news for people to absorb and ingest. There was a phenomenal executive I met decades ago, and he taught me, you just talked about being curious and asking questions. And he taught me the power of when you're in a meeting, someone says something, whether they're on your team or whatever the situation, someone has put forth their situation, problem, viewpoint, et cetera. It says, rather than immediately responding with your side, said the most powerful question is, tell me more. It says, if you can pause and ask them, tell me more, he said, you'll be amazed at what comes next. You know, <laughs> they thought they got everything out and shared it, but it's often that second chance for them to tell you more that real interesting things come out. And I've tried to remember that as well. So we're talking here, it's, um, boy, it's almost Thanksgiving, 2023, end of the year. So you're already thinking about for you and your team next year. Mm -hmm. Chief people officer role is so important, involved in so many decisions and things these days. What's your focus for 2024? What are you gonna sort of lean into as a CPO? I think it's taking what we're doing now and enhancing it. It's looking at the journey that we're on and really understanding, do we have the right tools to be able to help our employees be engaged? Can we track engagement? How are we looking at employee development, professional development, and also really looking at mental health and really the mental well-being of our employees? Because I'm a firm believer that as we make sure that we're doing the proper training, that our employees have the right resources at their fingertips, they will be engaged and they will look at their productivity through their lens of what can I do to continue to further our mission? What can I do to further what we're doing to enhance and create balance for other people within their lives? And so a big push for us going into next year is training, development, and also prioritization. How many priorities do you have in your own individual life? And you got to realize, okay, I, I can't do everything, but what I want to do is I want to focus on one thing. Let's get that task completed so then we can go to the next task and the next task and the next task. And then I would say another big goal that we have overall as a company and also for our employees and also for me within my department is how do we enhance communication in a virtual world? How do we build community in a virtual world? And how, as we're bringing people back, we're, we're strongly encouraging our people to come back to the office if you're local enough to be at an office. And we're not saying come in five days a week. We're saying come in two to three days a week. Yeah. Because we believe that that enhances collaboration. And in turn, that provides mentorship opportunity that isn't existing right now. Yeah, that's the part that I worry about. Especially so, you know, I've got two of my kids are out of college and now adulting, you know, in their 20s and they both have remote. Are they on? Are they still on your payroll or are they off your payroll? <laughs> Not on my payroll. No. <laughs> Success. Cheers to that. But I think about when I was in my 20s, how much I learned just by being in an office. And it wasn't always the meeting I was in. It was the conversation that happened in the hallway when the meeting was done. It was 
an executive who wasn't my boss grabbing me by my elbow and saying, hey, Kevin, I don't know if you noticed, but you did this and you shouldn't have or whatever that, that might or just overhearing things and asking to be involved. And so especially for young people, I think there's I mean, I know everybody likes remote, no, no commute and all of that. But I do worry about sort of career advancement disparities and career laggardness of the, the remote folks. It's an important and, issue. And Kevin, it's, I, will, I will be honest, I wrestle with that. That keeps me up at night because I think we're doing a disservice. It's interesting that we're talking about it right now because I, I had a meeting with someone yesterday and it was a vendor who was trying to sell me a product and it was a young man early in his career. And we talked about that very thing. And, you know, I said, hey, I'm old and, and I've been in my career for quite a while. But, you know, I always love that engagement, that interaction and that people, just that calibration, as it were. And I'm a verbal processor. So it helps me to be able to kind of synthesize my thoughts at times. And I said, and I'm hurting for you because this is probably your first job. Yeah. And you just told me that your company's 94% remote. And he said, you know, he said, I wish he goes, it is a disadvantage. He goes, because I really want to learn from the person to the right and to the left of me and to be able to have to overhear how they do something or what they do and how that works. And so I, I think that I think we have to find a, a happy medium. What does it look like to provide good mentor opportunities to allow people to grow and develop? Because we're, we're stunting the growth and the potential of our employees when we're not investing in them. And part sometimes investing means face-to-face meetings. That's right. That's right. Often it does. Last question, Lynn. So when it comes to all the exciting things going on at Consensus Cloud Solutions, what are you most excited about? Anything you could let us in on? Any big things that are going to happen uh, next year? Well, you know, I, I can share with you a couple things. And this is something that is super near and dear to me. When we look at our values and we say embrace innovation or we focus on solutions, one of the big things that we have, which I'm super excited about, is we have won the government contract for the Office of Veterans Affairs, so the VA. We're implementing a specialized product. It is high trust certified. We're in the process of getting our FedRAMP authorization where it's we're implementing ECFACS. It's basically a customized version of eFACS. And we're rolling that out to all of our VA facilities. So for me, I'm super excited because we have an opportunity to partner with the government to provide an innovative and a very effective and efficient solution to help expedite that communication exchange to be able to support and enhance the healthcare for our veterans. So for me, I like, it's a win-win, right? It's helping to send secure document transmission via eFax, but a very customized solution for the Veteran Affairs Office, but it's actually rolling it out into all of their different offices, which then also helps streamline and enhance the care. So it's breaking barriers and, and, and we have the ability to also use our digital solutions to, let's just say, a more rural setting within areas of the country that may not have as sophisticated access to healthcare. And so for me, I believe that we're breaking down these barriers for inclusion and equity as it relates to providing the proper tools 
for healthcare as we look at electronic health records, et cetera. So for me, I'm super excited. And for us to be on the cutting edge of that, to be able to look at some of our products with working through pre-authorization, et cetera, and, and utilizing tools of AI, we're on the cusp of really being able to help transform healthcare technology. And for us to be a part of that, I'm excited. Who doesn't want to help impact the healthcare in our country? Yeah, the most important and big challenge that there is. It's great the work you're doing for the VA. On that note, Lynn Johnson, thanks for being humble, hungry, and smart. Thanks for joining the Culture Code podcast. We appreciate it. Kevin, thank you. It has been an absolute pleasure, and I really appreciate the time that we spent today. Thank you for letting me just share my heart. Clearly, it's a topic that I'm passionate about, so thank you for your time. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Culture Code Podcast. Are you looking to build, refine, or revamp a training program? We team up with companies like Northwestern Mutual, Cineos Health, and Duck Creek Technologies to roll out highly engaging training series for emerging leaders, new managers, women in leadership, high potential managers, sales enablement, and more. Check it out at leadx.org. What makes these series so uniquely engaging? We help you build a full system of development that leverages our cutting edge platform and world-class training. We blend together world-class cohort-based virtual training and group coaching, personalized nudges, micro-learning, and on-demand office hour style coaching. Go check it out at leadx.org.